My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. Hi, this is Derek Gilbert. If you want to know your Bible, you have to dig, and you're in the right place. This is the Dig Bible Podcast. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to, to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis movie. Oh, yeah. Let's back it up here. I, I love the intro to the show because it's exactly right. There's these nuggets of gold in his word. As you guys always sign the show, you, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. I feel like God's be like, hello, McFly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't, isn't this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. The Nephilology round table. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? What's going on, all my local guys and gals and long-distance pals? We're back. The raspy is back. We're back. <laughs> That's the best I can do. I don't have that deep, sultry Ben voice that uh, you know you you all love out there. But but I think uh, Ben's not with us tonight. Yeah, we had some technical difficulties to say the least. We got started like an hour and a half late with some technical issues, and he just said, "Guys, I've had a rough day. This is all on you. <laughs> I'm hitting the hay." Yeah, it's it was. Uh, yeah, we're we're behind schedule a little bit, but that's all right. We're gonna we're gonna push on through. Um, sometimes when we have those difficulties, I think it's because something's trying to stop you from getting some some good nuggets out there. Yeah, we got a pretty good show for you guys, uh, and it was honestly something that we uh, got together pretty quick because of it's something we've already studied and had some notes piled up and was kind of in the holster ready to be pulled out when it. Yeah, I it's something that I've always thought was really interesting and and it goes back to really I guess more for me for high school cuz I went to a, a Lutheran high school 
and um, they had us watch these the the Left Behind movies. And I'm not talking about the G-rated Kirk Cameron, which don't get me wrong, I love some Kirk Cameron. But if you go back to those '70s Left Behind movies, that's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, if that was back in that where they try to convert you by fear uh, a style of, um, of, uh, of, of a show. Cause it was those, if you've never seen those and if you can find them and I'm sure they're probably out there somewhere, there's probably on YouTube or something now, but that, you know, as far as the whole new world order and everything that goes along with the rapture and all, it's, I mean, it even talks about what, you know, biblically it talks about people losing their heads and that's quite literally what happens in those movies. They have a guillotine out back. And if you won't, renounce jesus off with your head i mean it's terrifying i haven't seen it dude it will change you in ways uh, you could be a a stout believer but it it just it's it's one person's depiction one person's depiction of what the end days will look like granted there we're going to get into it a lot here but um there's so many different theories and ideas about uh, about you know the end times and about what's going to happen you know we hear about the trumpet blast we hear about you know Jesus coming back down you know he's coming back the same way he ascended we, we hear so many different things about this and um, the problem is is that we're taking these all from the 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 books of the bible you know mainly I'd say uh Daniel, there's a little Jeremiah in there, uh, Thessalonians, but, but Revelation where it's really the, it's, it's all very prophetic. And a lot of those things, you know, it's hard because when, when people read that, oh, this is, this is prophecy, it's prophetic, there's a lot of symbology or, you know, symbolism here, but then they want to take certain things very literal. It's like you, you can't have your uh, you can't have your ice cream a, a, and eat it too. It just doesn't work that way. There's so many different layers. So if we take you know if we take um, some of these prophetic books at that face value and we take it right there as as either literal or we take it as prophetic, uh, it you can't really pick and choose. And this is something too. It's you know like hermeneutics. You know let let the the word say what it says and also put your preconceived notions and your dogma, leave it at the door and just give it an honest study and look at it from all angles and just kind of see, you know, what makes the most sense, you know, and what does the scripture say versus what does man say and what you've been taught. And this is another subject where I was raised, you know, Baptist and I was raised, you know, Mm pre-trib and I was taught that my entire life and of course i mean i would like nothing more (laughs) than to be out of here watching from uh up above and not be a part of it but it's one of those things man when you read it and study it you know my my view on it's changed a little bit it has and i i think i think it's important one thing i think it's important for us to say and i'll agree with you 100 percent, is that my view and my belief on this is going to be different than maybe yours and it's gonna be different than people that listen to this too but i think it's really important to dive into it yourself look at it really read it really see what it says because a lot of things that have come out of this um and and our ideas of this are something that it's one other person's interpretation we're not taking it straight from the scripture we're taking it from someone saying hey this is a seven-year tribulation. Hey, this is going to happen at the end of this, you know, the, the, the 70th week of Daniel. And that's one person's interpretation of that scripture. That doesn't necessarily give you. There's not one certain verse that says this is going to be seven years. It's interpretation and how people break down that 70 years and they go back to Ezekiel, another prophetic book, and then they break down and say, well, you know, a year is equal to a day and and so you you, they break it down from there so they're going back and forth through books different prophetic books written by different people and trying to connect things and i think it's important to try to connect things but at the same time i um really think that you have to look at it for yourself because if we just take everybody's word for everything it's (laughs) we've seen already in the things that we've talked about that it, it, it is not always 
at face value. And when we even look at the, the big picture and that divine worldview that we talk about, the divine world council, um, you see that that view was suppressed for hundreds of years. You know, we go back far enough, you see the supernatural in the Bible, but that gets suppressed because people want to hold the idea that 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 these angelic beings and other things, you know, we talk about Satan, all these 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 other deities, and I lose I use Satan in that loose terminology. If you haven't listened to the Derek Gilbert episode on uh, Lucifer and Satan, I think that's a pretty good one for you to go listen to. But when you look back at all these, you see that we're taking, you know, maybe it's early church fathers' interpretation. Maybe it's we're looking at John Calvin or we're looking at Martin Luther and and how they changed the viewpoints that we hold and based on our denominations or based on what your church ascribes to. And we can't all be right. Well, before we get any too deeper, let's Sorry. back it up. Yeah. And uh, we'll go ahead and open up in prayer. You got it or is it my turn? I got it. All right. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here tonight. Um, please help us reach out and, and reach that one person that needs to hear your word, Lord, and help us create some conversation or some fire that someone really wants to dig into your word and and really find the truth for themselves. Use your word as a way to speak to others and help us be a mouthpiece for you, Lord. And in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I guess to, to start off with, uh, if you were to uh, define rapture, I looked that up, you know, the, the North American uh, definition, you know, according to some, you know, millennium teaching is, you know, it's the uh, transporting of believers to heaven at the second coming of Christ. You know, thousands of Christians gathered outside Rochester and other cities awaiting the rapture as an example. And uh, what's crazy is this is this word derives from the French and uh, medieval Latin raptura, which it means seizing, you know, or, or rapture, the carrying off. You know, this was in like the late 16th century. And then in English, it goes to rapt. You know, it's like the root word. But the mentions of it were at its highest in the 1800s and then when you get to 1850 it slopes down to about halfway 1990 another halfway down 1950 it was at its all-time low but then it started to curve back up around 2000 you know 10 to 2014 but it's still nowhere near where it was at during the 1800s mm -hmm. but this is i think it's important like i said that we look at this and we always say that but from the scriptural context and once again, we're taking a person's uh, you know, interpretation. And that's like you guys taking us, what we're saying right here, as scriptural gold. And that's not, that's not how it is. Our whole thing right here is to get you to look into things, is get you to, to question things and to, to really dive into your, your Bible. Let God speak to you because if you just take one man's word for it, if you just listen to one person say, oh, well, they got it figured out, so I don't have to. That's where people get lost a lot yeah, of times. Because this is just our interpretation. This is our interpretation, but at the same time, you could, and we've looked at a bunch of different people's, um, the way that they've portrayed it. and Formed our own opinion. And formed our own opinion, but at the same time, you could do the same thing. And, that, and, and I will say this, and, this, and I don't like to be a spoiler at the beginning of an episode, but I'm going to have then to don't. say it. I, I'm still going to have to say it. Michael Heiser said this question will never be answered until it happens. Michael Heiser said that he said he's looked into this forever. And he said, it's something that can never be answered at face value. Well, even Paul said, you know, this is a mystery. It is a mystery. And so we're talking, this stuff is, is going to be based on our interpretation of the scripture. It's going to be based on, and the way that we view this and the, what we read and um, my opinion changed a lot just by getting into this because I, I, same as Justin, I was raised Lutheran, and it, you know most of the time it's very pre-trib, um, where you think that we're going to be, and maybe we should 
maybe we should go into the definitions of the different ideology of, of, yeah. of certain people before well, we get too far. Yeah, and we'll get there with the different ones, but uh, I didn't know this, but do you know where pre-tribulation theology and uh, dispensationalism came from, the start point? I'm listening. Okay. And this is a, I got this pulled off from, uh, I can't remember the source, I looked it up online, but it said uh, that this didn't exist before the 19th century, around 1820, you know, was uh, the most common time of the conception, they believe. But it began during a revival in Scotland. A teenage girl named MacDonald, who claimed to have a vision of a pre-tribulation rapture, and then a reverend a famous one named Darby happened to be there who uh, he really latched on to this idea you know this man was uh, one of the founders of the Plymouth Brethren denomination and began to preach this theology Darby took this teaching with him to the United States and the founding of the New World he came in contact with Bill with the Billy Graham of that day which was Dwight L Moody founder of the Moody Bible Institute and the Moody Press. Moody became the worldwide distributor of this theology. Many novels were written holding to this idea, one called Jesus is Coming. Then we have the Schofield Reference Bible. This was the first of its kind to have headings in the biblical text. Jesus predicts the rapture was a famous heading there in Matthew 24. They planted these beliefs into the Bible. So this all started with a vision from a teenage girl in Scotland at a revival. You know, this was something that was repeated enough until it was believed, and Scripture was twisted to fit people's preconceived notions. So this all started with a, a teenage girl at a revival in Scotland that said she had a vision from an angel of a pre-tribulation rapture. Once again, like I said, we're taking... And it, it's it's funny, if you look back and you can look through... Uh, uh, even people who weren't necessarily Christians at the time, but Josephus or, or Eusebius, or you go through all these other church fathers, and we've adopted so much of their ideologies and, and just made them doctrine, but it's based on their interpretation. And we're taking that one person's interpretation to heart. If we aren't reaching out, praying, and, and praying for that discernment and, reach, and reaching... Uh, uh, towards God's word and, and looking into these things. And I'm not saying to not take the word of some other people to some degree, but you, you test the spirits, test what you're hearing yeah. because you can't just take something at face value. If I told you the sky was falling today, you're not, you're going to look at me like, eh, but if, if Martin Luther said the sky, you know, the, or, or uh, who, who's a good example. I was, if we go back to, Tertullian. Tertullian. He said the sky is going to fall in, in you know, 2023. Everybody would be like, ooh, now we got to be on the edge of our seats. You know, Y2K or something. Of the, all these different things were, you know, Nostradamus. We believe what these, you know, not we, but people in general have believed a lot of what these people say based on just their interpretation of events. And it's not, it's not, unfortunately, it's their interpretation of Scripture, but there's not something specific that truly says, and it, it is a lot of interpretation and it's a lot of trickle down because you see things that are translated a certain way into the Greek and then are translated a different way into the Latin. Um, we talk about the, the Latin Vulgate and how like you were just talking about that um, with the Latin, how that, that terminology changed. And it, it is, it's really unsettling. I guess the more I look at it, how much that mask I think has been pulled over a lot of people's eyes because we have just, allowed and this is a little off point but that we've allowed a lot of these things to to change our doctrine and if we look across you know if we go back to the to to jesus talking to peter and saying on this rock i will build my church he didn't say all my different churches he didn't say all my different denominations he said my church we have so many differences in our ideologies and our theologies based on the fact that we go to a church that we just believe that whoever started that denomination we just oh that, yeah, they were right but you're not looking into it yourself and i think that's a big problem and we'll, a lot of the stuff we look into don't take what we say right at face value don't say oh they're right look into it yourself this is this is what we saw when we looked into it our whole point is to get you to dig into it yourself yep. amen 
and we mentioned the uh, the mystery. You know, that's uh, you know First Corinthians chapter fifteen uh, forty nine through fifty five. Uh, Just as we born, we were born in the image of man of dust. We shall also bear the image of man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers: flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory, and O death, where is your victory, and O death, where is your sting? Hmm. So, you know, just like in our intro, you know, it's it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings to search things out, and that's just, that's what we are attempting to do here today. Yeah. Uh, that's what we attempt to do every day yes. when we're doing this. And honestly, you should attempt to do that every time you're reading your Bible. We talk about that in the beginning, you know. It's the, the glory of God to, to uh, conceal things and the glory of kings to search things out. And there's, you know, I guess jumping in, I guess jumping in a little bit to the different types of um, ideologies that a lot of these different either denominations or sects of the church have you know, you have your pre-trib, which is what I was raised as. Um, uh, you have uh, mid-trib. Uh, when I say trib, I'm saying mid-tribulation. So we're talking about the rapture during the tribulation. When is it going to happen? So if we say pre-trib, we're saying before those seven years, nothing bad's going to happen to us. Us believers are taken up, and all the bad things are going to happen after we leave, which, like you said, sounds phenomenal. Yeah. I would love that to happen, and it's not outside the realm of possibility. But from what I read, uh, and we'll, well, we'll get in there further. But then yeah. you have mid-trib, which is first three and a half years. Once again, we're going off that seven years that has been interpreted from, from Daniel. Yeah, the 70 weeks. The 70 weeks. And that's what it's been interpreted from, which, once again, I think it's interesting that it's the number seven again, which usually just means completion. Complete, means Complete judgment, yes. Exactly. So the fact that we're sometimes taking the prophetic word... Uh, very literal, and then other times we take the prophetic word as just, oh, it, it's just you symbolic. Know, the 70 nations. Metaphoric. We're good with the 70 nations as meaning all of them, but then when we talk about the 70 weeks, no, we're going to break down and do math here because we have to figure out. People have a desire to know when this is going to happen. They want to know. They want to be like, hey, I'm going to have everything. I'm going to have all my ducks in a row when that's going to happen. But the problem is, it says, he'll come like a thief in the night. No one will know the day or the hour. Yeah. It, Jesus even said, I don't even know. Only my Father in heaven knows. Yeah. And see, and that goes back to even Ben was talking about that was something that he wanted to talk about, you know, was the uh, uh, the culture of the Jewish people and with the uh, the marriage contracts, you know, how that referred back to that, you know, because you took the cup, presented it you took a drink you presented it to the bride if she accepted she drank it then you're in covenant together that's kind of like what we were seeing at the last supper but then uh the groom would go away and prepare a place Mm -hmm. for the woman and he might thought the house was done and he was ready to go but no he could not go till the father gave the blessing and said now it's time Mm -hmm. so that was another reference there when jesus was saying you know you know, even I don't know. Only the Father knows the time. So that was like another, you know, marriage contract, you know. little tidbit. Yeah. And then we, we obviously keep going through, and we have the, the, the post-tribulation um, idea uh, where you go through the whole, uh, you know, the whole tribulation period, and then, then you're raptured, but you return with Jesus at the second coming or right about that time. And then it says um, there's there's also well there's also the pre wrath notion um, where and and like you said earlier we talked about this a little bit before that kind of to some degree coincides with the with the mid tribulation um, however pre wrath is and there's some ref, uh, uh, some references to uh, to the the time of Jacob's trouble 
and I think that's back in Jeremiah, if I'm correct. I have that verse where it says, Alas, this is this is Jeremiah 37 through 9. It says, Alas, that day is so great there is none like it. It will be a time of distress for Jacob, yet he shall be saved out of it. And it shall come to pass in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off your neck, and I will burst your bonds. And foreigners will no more make a servant of him, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. So talking about that 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 final judgment, that pre-wrath. So when we talk about that, we're saying it's after that midway section because the beginning of it is 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 the beginning of that section will be more that satan's wrath right where where that's being loosed on us and then god's wrath is the ultimate judgment at the end yeah, the bold judgments. the bold yeah. yes exactly and that's what anybody who's pre-wrath believes that will be taken before god's wrath is poured out on everybody mm-hmm. so that's kind of the four main ideologies you can break them down into three with some subsets if you wanted to but that's that's kind of where most people in the um, in the the church, especially, fall. Uh, and each one, there's I mean, there's reasons why people believe each one. Hmm. I mean, and, and there I mean, there's there's scripture that, depending on your interpretation, can back up your idea. And like I said, there's no way to tell for sure what's going to happen. And believe me, I sure hope it's pre-trib. But the more I look into it personally, um, that. That's a little, it, it, it depends a lot on interpretation. Well, uh, let's just go through and break them down a little bit. Uh, before we get that, I guess uh, for those that are not familiar like to the, the two main verses that people pull as reference for the rapture, uh, one is First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 17. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven uh, with a shout and a voice of an archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord and then Matthew 24 verse 31 and he will send his angel with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and one end of heaven to the other for the perishable must claw themselves with the imperishable, and for the mortal with the immortality. Then the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. Then saying what is written shall come. So it's basically like uh, the Corinthians verse that we mentioned earlier with Paul talking about the mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, but one thing I asked before we get into the breaking down, I thought this was, you know, like my little sense of humor kicking in. Brace yourselves. But, you know, I asked, you know, well, how many times does Jesus return? You know, we see him returning again to defeat Satan in Revelation 19 and verse 21. You know, he said he would return to save those who believe and follow after him and judge those who do not. You know, so to me, you know, it's like the, some people call it the the yo-yo game. You know, or like us Southerners, we like to fish. So, uh, you know, you can talk like like a bobber. He's like a bobber in a pond, you know, like Morgan Wallen, going up, down, up, down, up, down. Oh, come on, that's funny. We're, it, it, it's well, well said. Well said. No, it's, that's, that right there makes a big difference. If you look at the, the scripture in the way of, of when, when he'll return, like what is truly the second coming? And when is the second coming? So that changes a lot based on, you know, the scripture you just read. But I think it's interesting, too, at the end of that scripture, it said that you'll be drawn up with him. But it's 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 a, a, a term of um, the way finish that verse again, because it's a it's a definition of finality. When you're there, you're there mm-hmm. like there, you don't come back. No. Right. Yeah. So when when we're drawn up, yeah, you're not coming back. And we just talked about that. A little bit with the um, so go ahead you can read that again Let's see. yeah in the very last sentence it says and thus we shall always be with the Lord so when we're when we go with him we're never devoid of him again we're with him for eternity at that point I guess the the argument could be made that you know he comes back or he cut co- when he does come down then he is um, you know, we're part of his his army at the end, 
Um, so, it, it, like I said, it comes down a lot to interpretation. But Which some people, like when you get to, you know, we're talking about, you know, pre-trib, you know, and you, you discussed that pretty well, you know, that before the, the seven-year tribulation, you know, we God's people are withdrawn. Uh, one verse that I see a lot of people uh, like to go to is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those that dwell on the earth. You know, my opinion with that, you know, like I said, this is all interpretation, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody tells you they got it figured out, run. Because they don't. <laughs> if, if they're being honest with you, you know, hey, this is what I read. I'm going to read it to you. This is what it says. And this is my interpretation. That's the most honest anybody can be about it. Mm-hmm. And if anybody says they got it all figured out, God's told them everything, run. Uh, but this verse in Revelation, you know, tells us that, you know, we will not have to stand trial at the great white throne judgment. You know, that Jesus is our covering and our righteousness so we don't have to answer for all of our wrongdoing, you know, because we are all forgiven. And like I stated before, that's my opinion. Because it says, you know, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. You know, so, you know, my opinion, the great white throne judgment, us as believers, we don't have to stand in judgment and in trial because, you know, our sins are forgiven. You know, Isaiah 43, 25 I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins anymore. Hebrews 10, 17, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Psalms 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And then the last one I got is Hebrew 8, 12, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins Mm -hmm. you're not going to stand trial i mean that's how i interpret those verses no i to me that makes it makes sense i see it i see it very similar that way it you know it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess but those of us who have already um willingly bowed (laughs) willingly bowed you know have already made that commitment to to god have have said hey jesus you're our salvation We've made that commitment. We've done that. Thing. We have professed that he is Lord. After that, it, who's left? Mm-hmm. And that's, what, that's really what our job here on earth is, is to try to get as many people, as, as I should say this in a different way, to get as few people to have to stand in that front of that white throne of judgment as possible. Whether you're pre-trib or pre-wrath, it's important to dispose of the pretense that expensive insurance is something that you're stuck with. Most people don't shop around for better insurance rates until years after they get their policies. And with the price of a loaf of bread slowly approaching a day's wages, it's important to save where you can. That's why the Better Insurance Agency is here to help with options for home, auto, life, and small business insurance. Visit us online at www.thebetterquote.com. Or call us at 540-200-8646 today to see about switching to a better insurance company. Currently available only in Virginia and Tennessee. Please note that if you're listening to this commercial after the rapture has taken place, the Better Insurance Agency is probably closed. Uh, I do. The other part that I think a lot of people, and this is where I, that, um, that uh, Left Behind movie really kind of hits me, uh, because you see the, 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 when we look at it as Matthew 24, especially you see mo- a lot in Matthew 24 and a part that it really talks to me is, um, if we go through and we look at, uh, Matthew 24, four, and it's talking about Jesus answered them and says, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. So this is Jesus talking that there are going to be people coming. They're going to say these things, you know, going forward. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And this is, this next part's, I think, the really important part. And I've said this before. 
Why do we have to whisper? Because I think it's important. We keeping this a secret? No, but it's going to get louder in a minute. It says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. Think about that. Everybody, you know, with this, with the way the world's changing and the way the things are going on around us, we always say, and this is not even to say that this is happening right now. We don't know the day or the hour, but everybody is so concerned with the way the world's changing, with the things that are going on around us, with the the evil that we see all around us. And it says, do, do not be alarmed. It says, see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. I like that kind of analogy there, talking about that as well. I think that's pretty interesting. It says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to the death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So think about this. We're talking about Jesus is talking to the disciples at the time. And they, they believe when he says they're coming, he's coming soon, that it's happening right. You know, it's going to be next week, maybe. Yeah, soon is soon. Soon is soon. You know, they, it, it's still one of those things where they don't, a little bit of that spiritual blindness that we we all have to some degree where we can't totally understand the the prophecy of God and we're not really supposed to um, understand everything because even in Daniel it said you know lock these words up until the time is ready you know until the time is right so and that's you know a lot of what we're talking about here when we talk about the seventy weeks all that stuff was meant to be locked away until a certain time yeah well the enemy's reading these battle plans exactly too exactly it has point. to be cryptid and let me tell you this they're smarter than we are they've been around for thousands of years you know the, the Satan the the you know these other evil forces everything that we talk about they've been here longer than us they're smarter than us we have no chance against them without God at all but um. So, and he's saying that, that they're going to suffer, you know, that tribulation and be put to the death. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. For many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, for the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, do you hear, what did that say? Those who endure to the what? The, end. the middle? No, no. Doesn't say that. I think it says the end. Will be saved. Amen. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. I that to me blows me away. Um just so we go down a little further. If I go down to here i'm looking this is in i have it written down right here 40 i think it's 45 where is it sorry here it is oh nope sorry 37 i jumped too far i have more for as were the days of noah so will be the coming of the son of man the coming not one of ten comings not one of it's the coming Right? Yep. We talk about the number. The coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, unaware that the flood came and swept them all away. So will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the, at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Who then is faithful and who then is the faithful and wise ser servant who the master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Bless the servant whom his master will find doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. 
And the, but the wicked servant will say to himself, my master is delayed and begin to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks, I'm sorry, and eats and drinks the drunkards. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour that he does not know and he will cut him to pieces and put him with the hypocrites in a place where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I know it's a mouthful, but I, that, that Matthew 24 is where a lot of this jargon comes from. Yeah. And who's the master of the house? That's, that's a good question. See, my interpretation, do you like that? My interpretation. <laughs> I think you could be talking about Satan. Because it said, you know, that Satan is the ruler of this world. That's what Jesus says, right? He's the, the, the bad tenant. And it said that, you know, if he would have known when it was, he wouldn't have allowed his house to be broken into, you know. And that's just something that kind of came to me as you was reading that there. I think, I mean, I, I see that. I could see it. I could see it both ways depending on how you look at it. But that makes, I mean, that makes 100%. It makes sense. But I think it's so important to to understand what it's saying is that, no one knows the day or the hour that Jesus is coming back. No one does. And it says that we all must be ready. It doesn't say those who are left behind must be ready. It doesn't say that, um, you know, uh, once again, my interpretation. But it says that, you know, no one knows the day or the hour, so be ready. Because when the Lord comes back, you know, we need to always we need to always believe that it could happen in the next 10 minutes if you wait and you say well and that's i think why a lot of people really 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 try to take this literal and try to break this down and try to say okay it's seven years okay uh we are at the 70th week of daniel we are at this juncture so they want something concrete they want something because then i can go do whatever i want until you know i can get ready you know 10 minutes before and then I'll be good yeah. with God. How much time do I got to kill? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. I don't think that when this happens, that time that he comes, there ain't going to be no time for you to be like, okay, I, now I need to get my crap together. Exactly. No, and you wasn't ready, man. You, you missed the dinner. You missed the train. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. But going off what you was talking about, you know, you know, those who endure to the end, you know, and this was going, you know, to the, you know, the mid-tribulation, you know, verses that I have here that kind of, you know, that, in my opinion, you know, bust that up. You know, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one talks about the last trumpet, we shall be changed into glorified bodies. You know, people that hold this mid-tribulation view, you know, they see that as the, the seventh trumpet. But, you know, Revelation 11, you know, this is right before the bowls of wrath are poured out. But this isn't the last trumpet. That, you know what the scripture talks about? The final trumpet is when Christ returns. We get our glorified bodies and the lawless one is defeated. You know, for this belief to hold true, the mid-trib, we would have to have three comings, which is just not scripturally based. Oh, I agree. I agree. So you're ready to look at uh, post-tribulation? Or am I, I, am I, I think we already I think we already started. Oh yeah, we kind of yeah. So. I think we've uh, we've played our hand a little bit. I think we, uh, we line our up, cards a little. I think we line up. Um, and to be honest, when we do these things, we research on our own. Um, we don't share notes ahead of time. We we look into these things because we want to have a conversation. We want to yeah. look at this from our point of view and and really. Um, you know, delve into uh, uh, what we, you know, our interpretations. Yeah. And Just an organic conversation. It is. And the fact is when we line up, which actually isn't always because we we usually have a similar idea, but we have different, you know. Different um, spins. Spins on certain things. And that's okay. And it's always going to be that way. Yeah, you're going to have that with anybody. And a lot of these things, you got to think about this. The rapture is a non-salvation issue. Yes. If you're right with God. It doesn't matter when it happens. I, going through seven years of tribulation would not be fun. No. But you know what? You think about what the disciples went through then. 
you know, they were, you know, all with the exception of John, um, were all murdered in one way or another in the name of Jesus. And, you know, it, it, it plainly talks about that, um, from that, you know, that time period. But I do believe, and it, we, we always say, you know, read this from the, uh, the eyes of the time, from the people at that time. You know, you have to understand this was written, you know, the first century, right? Um, this stuff is all written, you know, around the time, probably around somewhere between, uh, what, 30 and 70 A.D., somewhere in that range. You know, after Jesus, we're talking about most of the Gospels right around that time would have been written. You have to look at it from their point of view, but that is not to say that there isn't, especially when you look at a lot of these prophetic things, that these are talking about us in the future as well. And it does put it in a small box to say, oh, it's going to happen to us. It's going to happen right now. But that right there is the mentality you have to have because no one knows the day or the hour. We have to treat it like it's going to happen tomorrow. We have to treat it because regardless of being raptured now, uh, three and a half years from now, uh, or you know, at the coming of Jesus, I want to be there. And I think that's the most important thing. So once again, Justin said it, I've said it. These are our interpretations. This is not gospel this is not gold this is just our interpretations i want everybody to go and look into these things themselves you know send us some questions back send us your ideas back because i'd love to hear them and maybe you sway my idea a little bit by me looking into some uh, different references that you give us too but sorry that's a little side note i just think it's really important that we really look at this and really understand um that these are, you know, the way that this is interpreted by see, us. And see, with me, you know, after doing my studying and stuff, you know, I'm, I kind of fall into the, you know, the post-tribulation camp. You know, you know, people in this camp, you know, they believe that, you know, you'll have to endure the wrath of God, but you'll be protected and marked with the seal of God. You know, and at the end, Christ will return. The dead in him shall rise first. You know, those alive get their glorified bodies, meet him in the air, come back down in a triumphant, basically parade, and destroy the lawless one. Uh, but I wrote down some examples uh, that uh, show that believers will have to go through tribulation. You know, John sixteen thirty three, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Revelation 7:14. These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. Revelation 3:10. Since you have kept my commandments and have endured patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. That is coming on to test the world. You know, we talked about that, the trial, the great white mm -hmm. throne judgment. Uh, Revelation twenty two twelve. look, I am coming soon, and my reward is coming with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. You know, their works for those who rejected Jesus as their covering in righteousness. This is the white throne judgment that is referenced in Revelation 3, in my opinion. Uh, Matthew twenty five thirty two. all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats you know we all go at the same time but we're set apart for the trial because Jesus is our attorney and we're acquitted and the last one I got is uh, Revelation 9 4 this is the fifth trumpet you know hurt not the earth neither the sea nor the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. You know, if we're raptured out, why do we need a mark of protection? No, I, it makes sense. I have, I have a little different idea on the seal of God and who that, you know, when it talks about the elect in a few different areas, I, I, and this is a different whole rabbit trail that we can go on another time, but I, I firmly believe that that's the Jewish people. That's the remnant of the Jewish people, and even potentially, and if we could get into that another time, but in certain areas where God is still maintaining his covenant with the Jewish nation that he made, you know, back through Eve, all the, through Abraham, over and over again, 
and we talk about Jacob and even I said before you know talking about Jacob's trouble and things of that nature where I believe that that's God's people um actually I even had a point a part of that here um if we look at and that's in Matthew 24 as well uh 29 through 31 it says immediately after the tribulation in those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give up its light the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man then all the tribes of the earth which you brought this up will mourn and they will see the son of the man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of of heaven to the other so when it says his elect i think it's pretty interesting because we talk about the, the the four winds right i think that's part of when we go back into the once again i apologize it's way off topic but when we go back into the um idea of uh the the 10 lost tribes that were 144, scattered the 144,000 so those those 10 lost tribes that were scattered and and that's how, when jesus used Pentecost, when those those lost tribes of Jews come to Jerusalem for that festival, and he's spreading his word out to the nation. That's kind of the first part of this. But I believe that those 144,000, those are his elect, the ones that were scattered from the by the four winds, he's bringing back together as his elect that are going to be the 144,000 that are marked with the seal of God, that are going to be his witnesses at the end. And that's that's him following through on his covenant that he has with with, uh, you know, all the way through Abraham, all the way down the line, you know, through Jacob. And he talks about that cup. I mean, if you go back through, read Genesis, read Exodus, go, go down that line and see how many times God reestablishes his covenant with uh, the Israelites. It's, it's every five minutes. I mean, well, like it's, the book of Enoch, you know, it says, you know, blessed be the righteous and then the elect, you know, there's a, there's a separation there. And I like how even, uh, I think it was, yeah, Ryan Peterson, was talking on his show one time and he was talking about how he talks about you know the temple coming back and the sacrifices coming back mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff he said you know it was his interpretation that uh you know the jewish people that rejected the messiah that still practiced the laws and all that kind of stuff that's for them because they didn't accept the free gift of free gift of salvation so therefore they have to sacrifice and do all these things so that's you know the hundred he said that's why he thinks the hundred and forty four thousand are left basically behind because they're the ones that has to lead the the people that rejected jesus back to the the law kind of i i agree but i also say that i think that hundred forty four thousand but once again looking in revelation looking at things when we talk about even daniel that these numbers are symbolic I don't think the 144,000 is literally 144,000 people. I know because it says it's 12,000 from each of the tribes, right? Mm -hmm. Each of the tribes of Israel. So once again, pointing to the Jews um, or the Israelites, I guess in that in that you know point. But the 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 people that he had the covenant with. So if we look at this, the 144,000 saying 12,000 from each tribe firmly believe that that is talking about the jewish people and that they are that's him following through saying that that he has not forgotten his people paul goes through that very plainly i think it's in it's either in acts or romans i'd have to pull that up but he goes through that very plainly saying that that god has not forgot his people and how great will it be when they come back and all and there's just so much you know god has not forgot his covenant with them there's so much there pointing to the, the Jewish people, the Israelites being there at the end and potentially being that. It, and once again, I'll say it again, this is going to be our new lowercase g gods thing. Yeah. My interpretation is, is going to be that that is the Jewish people and God keeping his covenant with them. Well, backing up to the, you know, the whole rapture deal, you know, you mentioned uh, Matthew 24, the stars and the heavens, you know, mm -hmm. and the judgment there. Uh, when you back up just before that, what a lot of people miss, you know, is that Jesus himself said immediately after yes. 
the tribulation of those days shall the sun be dark and the moon not give off her light and all these things you know and revelation mentions the opening of seven seals you know each one's a judgment the judgment of the sun the moon you know this all happens at the opening of the sixth seal so we're still not at the end you know he says and behold, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth. You know, that's Revelation chapter 6, uh, verse 12 and 13. Those alive in Christ will rise to meet him in the air, and the dead in him shall rise first at the last trumpet, the seventh seal. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 24, 29, after the tribulation the rapture you know is post tribulation and pre-wrath and the nations are angry and thy wrath has come you know that's revelation 11 and 18 but what's uh, cool is i usually always find the little greek things you know the word you know meat you know if you notice i done a you know little air quote there at the meat uh this is only referenced uh twice in the new testament uh, one is in uh, Acts. Give me just one second here. Where do I have that at? I have that written down somewhere. Is it Acts 5, 37? Here it is, I'm sorry. But it's mentioned twice. Uh, so the... Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and chapter 2. The context of the two chapters make two comings very difficult. Uh, he describes the coming. Uh, he's giving relief to the believers, but at the same time affliction to the non-believers. You know, Paul says these two things happen when the Lord is revealed from heaven. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 1 concerning the coming of the Lord and us being gathered together to meet him. You know, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed at the spirit or spoken word or letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the Lord has come already. So someone had already told that the day of the Lord had already come, obviously. So how easy would it have been for Paul to refute that by simply saying, that can't be, I'm still here. If the rapture, if the rapture had taken place, he says that day cannot come unless the rebellion comes first. You know, where Christ comes to kill the lawless one. You know, this points to, to one coming, not two. But First Thessalonians 4.16, the word meat is used two other times in the New Testament. Matthew 25, verse 6, Acts uh, 28.15. You know, both of these places, it is a group of people going out to meet someone and accompanying them back to the place that they just came out from. So here, you know, we are the welcome party and leading a parade of his return. It's, you know, the triumphal entry that the people got wrong when Jesus and his first coming to Jerusalem. Only this time we truly understand who he is. I thought that was interesting. You know, the, the only other times that that word meet is used, it's to describe uh, basically a party of people going out to meet someone and then coming right back to where they started from kind of like a like a parade so basically you know with that interpretation you know you know the son of man comes back in the 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 clouds we go up to meet him and get our glorified bodies just to either lead him back down or follow him back down to to, to vanquish of, the lawless part one. of his army yeah yeah to me that makes that makes the most sense I still, I think, you know, going through this and, and after kind of really reading it, and I've actually read people with a lot of different views on this, um, especially being raised in a, in a pre-trib type um, environment, it seems to me that, that a lot of the interpretation is more for comfort. And I hate to say it that way. It sounds bad. Yeah. But I feel that a lot of people are just you know we talk about that tribulation and and it, it's it's terrifying you know talking about the the beast that'll come up that will you know have a face of a lion you know hair was hair like a woman and sting like a scorpion and men will uh, long to die but death will not find them like things like this that i mean it's terrifying 
Oh, yeah, and like Revelation 13, you know, it says, uh, what is it, uh, those that are taken captive into captivity will go. The ones that are hit with the sword, the slain with the sword, they will go. You know, it's basically saying that yeah, you're going to have to suffer through, man. Yeah, and you know what? This is a part where I think that a lot of people um, in, in our country, uh, and, and I'm just as bad as anybody else. I'm, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but what I'm saying is in our country, we've had it so good. And even right now, people can say our country is this, this, or this. We have it so good. If we were living in the Middle East, or if we were, <laughs> if we were living... If we were living in, 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 you know, Palestine or we were living in, in a lot of different places around the world, if we were living in the Ukraine or, or, or the Russian border right now, think about what those people go through. Think about yeah. the Jewish people through the Holocaust. You, you can't tell Earth. me yeah. that, that, that they didn't think that was the end of days. So when people are worried about what's happening right now in our country, people are going and suffering so much more than 90 five to 99 percent of people in our country ever have and there is the the torment the civil war that happens around our country and we only see parts of it we see what our news allows us to see but there's so many things going on around our country that i'm sorry around our world that we'll never know about because it, it's it's out of sight out of mind we don't realize the struggles that everybody's having around the world that is so much greater than anything we've suffered through and those people might think that this is you know the the, the trumpets already sounded or the, you know the first uh, the first seal is broken or whatever it may be these things have happened that this is already in 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 progress and for all i know it could be but at the same time we i think as a country take for granted how great we have it you can sit there and say well i don't have this or i don't have this the, the poor of us, the poorest of us, have more than a lot of people that I've seen when I was in China and and other people that have been other parts of the world. We are so well off, so we don't know what tribulation is yet. And we've seen bad things. Don't get me wrong; every one of us has had tough things in our life or bad things. We've been under spiritual attack or physical attack, but we have no idea what true tri tribulation is. So I feel a lot of times that 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 pre-trib idea is to is 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 it's a it's a security blanket exactly what i was gonna say it's just that to to keep you warm so you just, don't worry i won't have to suffer like that and but, it ignores and what gets me is it totally ignores god's judgment patterns in the past you know i always tell you study history if you want to you know know what the future holds because history repeats itself nothing's due under the sun exactly and, you know, Matthew 24 says, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, they mm -hmm. were eating, they were drinking, you know, marrying, giving into marriage. So, I mean, they were totally unexpected. I mean, things were good, obviously. You know what I mean? And their idea of good. Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it was totally unexpected. Yes. But when you look back at all the judgments, look, okay, let's look back at uh, Noah. Had no idea it was coming, and the wicked were swept away. Who remained? The righteous, mm -hmm. the chosen, Noah and the uh, the eight. So, then you go forward, Sodom and Gomorrah. The wicked were swept away. The righteous, the chosen, were set aside. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you come on down uh, to uh, the plagues of Egypt. Did uh, God pull out uh, His people? while this stuff was going on or was they right there in the middle of it but protected they suffered through the first few but but i'm saying that yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they weren't raptured out of there no so why would this one be any different that makes sense it makes sense you know in, in my the way i see this is you know is when you talk about the left behind you know don't be left behind don't be left behind to me the way i read it I want to be the one left behind because, you know, where it talks about, you know, one, one will be in the field and one taken away. One woman will be, you know, churning grain and one taken away. You know, it, it uses that thing, that same terminology like it did in the flood. You know, one is taken, swept away. You want to be the one left behind because the way I read it, 
Christ comes down to earth and heaven comes down to earth I want to I want to be here <laughs> I don't want to be taken out at the very worst I want to be resurrected at that time and be gathered up to him so yeah. ultimately you just need to know where your heart is where's your faith at and know that it could happen it could happen tonight it could happen tomorrow could happen in a hundred years we don't know and i know that's very cliche but in this case you really can't focus and say that i have a, a deadline i have this i have that this is that's not god's intent god's intent is that you don't know therefore live a godly life all the time don't pick and choose like oh it should be coming soon so now i'm going to be good no always always be ready Know what's coming. Yeah. Have you heard the man? Have you all? And one thing that identified with me with that story, and I'll say this, I'll end with this. That struck me like a whole whole new way a few years ago when I heard uh, Doug talk about that, you know. Have, have your oil ready. Be ready. Well, then I thought about the people that didn't have their oil ready, and it broke my heart. I want to have my oil ready, but I want to have some extra to give somebody else. Mm-hmm. You guys keep digging, and you come up with your own interpretation. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. If you would, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Comment. Tell us where you're from, because that would be cool. Comment, subscribe like hit the thumbs up share with your friends share the share the love till next time see you later